0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: Yesterday, when I said that nobody knew bleep going into the draft, I actually meant it. I meant the teams were all over the place with their evaluations, and that pretty much anything could happen. There would be so many trades, and anything could happen and would happen, and then the draft got bleep-faced. Absolutely bleep Canned And let it rip. But that makes sense, right? If you're going to have the draft in Vegas, then do what everybody in Vegas does. Get bleep-canned. Bleep-faced. And that's exactly what NFL teams were doing last night. Like that first round was like staggering around the Las Vegas Boulevard like a 20-year-old with a fake ID in Vegas for the first time ever screaming, Vegas, baby, Vegas. Vegas, 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 baby, Vegas. Vegas, like, what I'm not going to do is go through every single team and give out a grade because it's lazy and it's boring and it's cheap. But what I will do is give the entire first round a grade, and that grade is an A or an F. I'm not even sure, but I do know this. It was awesome. I mean, that was chaos. That was wild. I always say, give me an A or give me an F. And they did. If the question is, yeah, well, which one is it? The answer is yes, both. I mean, for all the talk that there was not a ton of elite talent in that draft and that they were a little thin on the back end of the first round, last night brought a lot of noise and a lot of chaos in that first round. The first round had about five rounds within the first round, and it got hammered on all of them. Kind of like bartender, trades for all my friends. All around, there were like 5 million trades last night. There were trades on trades on top of trades. And not just draft picks. The The Ravens sent Hollywood Brown to Arizona. And I'm pretty sure they made that trade while they were making their pick. The Eagles pulled off not one, but two massive trades. They ended up with Jordan Davis and A.J. Brown. Is that any good? The Packers had one of the biggest trades before the draft when they sent Devontae Adams to Vegas. Of course, we, we know this. We remember, not a problem. Yes, you gave up arguably the best wide receiver, but it's not a problem because there are so many wide receivers that you could get in this draft. You don't want to sign Devontae? Great. Send him to the Raiders and just get another receiver in the first round. Obviously, that was the plan when they sent Adams to the Raiders, right? And... Oh, no. wrong, wrong. Like imagine if the Packers traded reason. Devontae Adams and then did not draft a receiver in one of the deeper receiver drafts in recent memory. Actually, you don't need to imagine it. That actually happened. It's real. The Packers had two picks in the first round. It's incredible, right? They had two picks in the first round, and they went linebacker, defensive tackle. Yeah, like they were going to break their streak. The hell they were. They've gone 20 years without taking a wide receiver, a tight end, or running back in the first round. I mean, that's incredible. That can't be easy to do. Do you know how hard you have to work to pull that off? Not a single receiver or a tight end or a back in the first round. Never even accidentally or mistakenly took a weapon in the first round. Never accidentally wrote the wrong name on the wrong card. It's almost like they're allergic to getting Aaron Rodgers help. Like it's the last thing in the world they want to do. And if you want to make the argument that there wasn't value in the receivers when they were picking and that they didn't want to force anything, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, all right, whatever works for you. But I'm guessing it doesn't work for Rodgers. I mean, they are going to get around to getting this guy some help, right? They do know you can't just pull guys off the street and have Rodgers throw to them, right? Or maybe they can. Or maybe that's exactly what they think their plan is. Because that's how it looks. That's how it feels. What I'm saying is this. That draft got everybody absolutely sauced. I mean, we were in Vegas, and everybody got lost in the sauce. By the way, another great horse name. Lost in the sauce. Lost in the sauce would be a great horse name. But when I'm talking about getting, thank you, Alvin getting lost in the sauce in this regard. I'm talking about Sauce Gardner, of course, because he came in and he stole the show. Jungle Tourette's, man. He came in and he stole the show. There's so much going on with this guy and his fit and his attitude and his swag. He'll get his own take. But let me just start with one of the best sounds of the draft. It was this. With the fourth pick. In the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sauce Gardner, defensive back Cincinnati. I think that's awesome because the coolest name in the game right now was just getting announced by the least cool guy on the planet. I never thought that I would live in a world where the name Sauce Gardner did not sound cool. But for one brief moment, we all lived in that world. Sauce Gardner. And that world sucked. Defensive back, Cincinnati. I'm always fascinated by great athletes' names or great athletic names. Sauce Gardner is a great name. Not only a great name, but a a great bit of swag and personality to back up that great name. I'm not sure what sounded better to me or which sound was better roger saying sauce gardner sauce gardner or one of my childhood heroes franco harris losing his mind over the steelers pick you know and again growing up in los angeles i was an enormous steelers fan mid-70s terry bradshaw was my guy i've made this clear on this show before i had three sporting idols growing up terry bradshaw The Penguin, Ron Say, and Gail Goodrich. But I was a huge, huge, huge Steeler fan. So Franco also was one of my guys. So I'm up here looking at my hero last night, losing his mind. Like when Goodell gave gave him the opportunity, Franco looked like he had just seen the face of God. Goodell kept talking, but all I could do was stare at Franco because he looked like he had just won the Super Bowl. Did out just give the Steelers pick, him the pick, or a winning lottery ticket? I'm pretty sure the reaction, especially facially, would have been exactly the same. I mean, my man Franco was pumped. He was hyped. And then when Raj cleared the runway and let Franco get to the mic, he 10X'd that enthusiasm and hype. Oh, my gosh.
0: Hello, Las Vegas. Wow, I love this. I love this. With the 20th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Kenny
1: Pickett, quarterback, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Never mind, have you ever seen anybody so hyped about the 20th pick in the NFL draft? Have you ever seen anybody so hyped about anything in life as Franco was to be up there announcing the 20th pick in the NFL draft? That, that was something else, and I mean that in a good way. It's been a long time since I've seen anybody that happy to read anything off a card. That was not Franco running out of bounds to avoid contact. Or Franco weirdly ending his career in Seahawk gear. That was the immaculate reception of draft announcements. You know, the collision between Frenchie Fuqua and Jack Tatum. And that crazy camera angle where Franco comes out of nowhere to get the ball off his shoe tops. Get it, Franco. I love this. I love this. My guy. And then the reaction From Pickett and his family was even better. He's in tears. They're going nuts. It was awesome. From Franco's reaction to Kenny's reaction, that pick was the most emotional moment of the night. Pretty awesome. Yet, not even the best reaction to a pick. The most emotional reaction to a pick, but not the best reaction to a pick. My favorite reaction of all was Sean McVay and Les Sneed. Reacting to the Patriots selecting Chattanooga offensive lineman Cole Strange during the middle of their presser. Really,
0: oh, really? Just went. Oh
1: my, UT Chattanooga
0: to the first how round. Hey, how about that? And we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, hey. maybe. <laughs>
1: That's incredible. That is incredible. I want to run that back one more time. Make sure that you're checking the reactions, the over-the-top reactions, and especially that laugh from McVeigh.
0: Really, Strange really, just went. Oh my! UT Chattanooga to the first round. Hey. How about that? And we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, maybe.
1: (laughs) I thought the line was great, but the laugh is so much better. Quote, and we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104. And that laugh, that obviously goes into your laugh tracks. That is a laugh for the ages. So people are like, of course that was a laugh for the ages. How blasted do you think the guy was? I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I love people jumping into the chat and claiming McVeigh had a few for sure, LOL. Laugh out loud. Or these dudes are lit. It's lit! I don't know. First of all, they're pretty young guys. They spent a lot of time in the weight room. They're running on different fuel. They've got a lot of energy. Or maybe they had a couple in them. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea, but they had the same reaction that everybody else did to the Hood's pick. Difference being, there's Sean McVay and Les Need. but we all have the same exact reaction, right? Like, wait, what? Hood? Really? I don't know if these guys were hammered or not. I do know this. Sean McVay and Les Snead are two absolute pros. Pros. Hell, maybe that pick was so far out there. Maybe it made them drunk just hearing it. Drunk or not, the two of them are having a hell of a good time. And why wouldn't they? They're in a sick beach house. They're polishing their Super Bowl rings. They're seeing the Patriots reach in the first round. Of course, they're laughing. I'd be laughing my ass off, too. Doesn't mean they're drunk. Doesn't mean they're lit. Even if McVeigh is laughing like this.
0: Laughter
1: pretty amazing. I mean, are they feeling good about themselves? That they're just laughing in the goat's face. They're laughing in Belichick's face. That is the most amazing reaction to a draft pick I've ever seen because of who was reacting. A coach, a Super Bowl winning coach and a badass GM. They think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen. Why did we even waste time? Thinking about that at 104. You remember the whole F-them picks, F-them picks? F them they weren't picks. even picking until 104. And They're like, why did we even waste our time if the hood was going to rise up and take that guy in the first? Look, I don't know if they were wasted.
0: How about that?
1: But I know the draft was wasted because that's what you do when you go to Vegas. You get the hell after it. And that's exactly what everybody on the strip did last night.
0: I love this. I love this.
1: Not as much as I love the reaction.
0: Sauce Gardner.
1: I thought the Franco reaction and the Pickett family reaction would carry the night until I saw Sean McVay laughing his ass off. (laughs) Less knee, just couldn't
0: believe
1: it. I don't know that I can be emphatic enough. That is an NFL head coach laughing his ass off over another pick from the greatest coach of all time.
0: We wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, maybe.
1: (laughs) Like a couple of drunk fratties. And I don't know if they were or weren't. But man, they were having fun. I love those dudes. Vegas! Vegas, baby. Or Malibu. Malibu, baby. Malibu. Malibu. Malibu is even better than Vegas. I love this, I love this. Uh, I could do an hour on that. I yeah. that was so awesome. <laughs> and let's not forget that Rams' social media team pushed out the best content ever prior to the draft. Rams rule, man. And now a message from Discover About Rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty. Preferably with something that's useful, like Cashback Mash, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year, finally rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com match. Limitations do apply. Kevin O'Connell is my guest. Kevin, so good to have you on. How are you? Jim, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good. Kevin, so great to have you really quickly. You've had a lot of firsts as a first-time head coach. What was your experience like last night going through your first, first round of an NFL draft as a head coach?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the one cool thing is having been through the draft process at multiple kind of stops as a coach, to do it here with Kwasi and, and our group um, we put in a ton of preparation, like everybody does, but it was phenomenal how it was put together in a way where we had played out a lot of the scenarios that did indeed take place last night and and kind of had a plan in mind if if uh, you know the exact player uh, or position that we were really hunting there at twelve was not there, um, you know how we would, would we best try to get the value we wanted but also go get a player that can help us win football games and uh, Lewis was one of those guys that we identified and then really uh, going all the way back to 32 uh, was obviously you know a risk there with a player like Lewis where quite honestly if we would have moved to 19 20 or 21 22 any of those picks we would have taken him there so we're holding on uh, ho- you know hoping that uh, his name didn't show up on the board and-, and luckily we were able to make that call and ultimately that was the best part of the whole night for for me, it was just hearing that uh, genuine excitement, his family in the background, and, and knowing that you just you know called a, a really good football player who's worked his whole life to, to be part of an NFL team, and, and now he's a first-round pick, and you could just genuinely feel it and hear it in his voice. I'm really, really excited to have Lewis, and and obviously, really, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really happy for him. I'll
1: tell you what, I love that response. Kevin O'Connell is joining us. So, what about Lewis? You make that deal and you make that move. What did you like specifically about his game and what he brings to your team?
0: Well, it's you know, I was just watching some tape with him. Uh, we got him in here this morning, bright and early, and he, uh, you know, just his his genuine genuine football intelligence is something that jumps out at you when you talk defense with him. You talk you know, his preparation to play on what was, you know, a pretty historical defense there at Georgia, really well-coached player. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, this is a guy with some traits that jump off the tape as well. I mean, he's a legit four four, sub four four guy, uh, you know, that shows up on tape and plays like that, and then a guy that's that physical at the tackle point and, and willing to uh you know at 6'1", 200, willing to, you know, get anybody that he comes across on the ground and, 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 and I've I've used this term before, but the game makes sense to him in a lot of ways and the physicality at which he plays, uh, you know, fits him as far as who he becomes when he steps on that that football field and across those white lines. And then ultimately, I think he's got that – you know that speed in the deep half of the field nowadays, I mean everybody's trading for wide receivers. everybody's trying to you know get more dynamic at that position to be more explosive as an offense when you could put an explosive athlete back there that can play sideline to sideline and play the deep half of the field with some of the weapons people have around the league. It makes you feel better as a defensive coach and, and, and as a head coach where you know you're going to have to try to stop people to end games and, and win the football games where you want to go as a team. Uh, this is a guy that can help you do that with his skill set.
1: Viking head coach. Kevin O'Connell is my guest. Kevin, you mentioned weapons. You're coming to a team, of course, that's got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. I know you studied that roster before you took that job, but when you looked at that roster and you saw tape and you see the weapons you have at your disposal, what kind of thoughts do you have?
0: Yeah, it was the, one of the more exciting parts about getting an opportunity to even interview uh, for this job was it was the roster in place. And, and you mentioned the offense. Um, I think Justin Jefferson is as talented as any receiver in our league, and um, that's only been confirmed being around him for the first couple weeks here in our off-season program. Um, absolutely love what he brings and, and will continue to bring with an offense we can build around his, his skill set. Uh, but then Adam Thielen, a guy that's been doing it at such a high level now consistently uh, for a long time. But then when you really turn on the tape or you get on the grass with Adam, you start to feel uh, just the elite level at which he's a route-running, physical, Receiver that finishes contested catches, and I think his double-digit touchdowns, you know, said you know said it to me the most last year when you're really watching him score in the red zone. Um, If people are going to try to double Justin Jefferson, and we're going to get single coverage with Adam Thielen, we feel really really good about that. We've obviously got Dalvin Cook, who uh, you know can can easily be one of the top backs at any given time in this league. Uh, Feel really good about our group up front, and then obviously getting Irv Smith back is going to be huge for us. That was uh, a pretty tough injury for this group because Irv was having such a great off season in training camp last year. I think a lot of people were really excited about him. And then our quarterback's in a great place right now. Um, you know, obviously having had some exposure with Kirk in his past, uh to, you know, getting to coach him for a season. Um but then also getting to kind of see where we were able to take our offense in LA and really grow it uh to kind of fit Uh, What we what we did last year, I see a lot of the same principles, but I also see a variation uh, of what we can do here uh, to make it our own offense and and, and make it the Viking offense of of 2022.
1: Kevin O'Connell joins me for another moment or so. So a quick thought about your quarterback, Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kevin, he's coming off a year where he threw for forty two hundred yards, thirty three touchdowns, only seven picks. Really nice numbers, but took a fair amount of criticism. What did you make of what you saw from him on film?
0: I think he played at a high level. I think he, he's still throwing the ball as accurately as as anybody out there in this league and and I think continuing to build a system around him uh to try to make things uh, you know easier easier on him um and the quarterback position is really what every offensive intent should be because it is the hardest position in in sports in my opinion because so much of the success uh, of an offense goes through that quarterback position, and really, you could even say so much of the team success uh, gets pinned or lack of success gets pinned on the quarterback sometimes when they're. Is uh, you know there's ten other guys in the huddle. There's eleven guys playing defense on the other side, and there's a lot of things that go on in our game uh, that uh, the quarterback can obviously have an impact on, but obviously uh, maybe not as much as people would like to think sometimes. So ultimately, what we're trying to do is build an offense around him where if Kirk goes out and plays uh, and reaches his highest potential, uh, we're going to have a great chance to win a lot of football games, and it's simple as that.
1: All right. So one last thought. You're obviously really getting getting into it already this morning. I'm curious, what's the Rest of the day look like as you get ready for the second round? And then what areas are you focused on in rounds two and three?
0: Yeah, well, uh, as soon as I get off the phone with you, I'll actually, uh, I'm going to head down and and, and spend the next couple hours with with our general manager, and we'll kind of see where the board uh, is at as of right now. And and we did a little bit of this last night as well, but just kind of take a look at any you know, any scenarios that could play out if, if the phone happens to ring and, and, and what we would be looking to do uh, if that happened. But we want to make sure, and, and, and I, I feel really good about the list of players uh, that uh, that will be available for us. So, you know, having the second pick of the day today knows that you really only need to have a list of two to know you'll get one of those players. So uh, obviously the list is longer than that. We've got some needs and, and, some, and some real value that we see in this uh, second and third round of the draft. I think it's going to be a really good day for us. We got the th- Three picks, like you said, and, and uh, our guys have put in a ton of work, so the preparation's been done now it's just about going out and figuring out what kind of plan we want to execute today, but uh, really, really excited about it, Jim.
1: Kevin, one last thought. I mean, in terms of communication ability, this has lived up to all the advanced hype. You sound like you're in a great spot. You sound extremely sharp and lucid, and you've got your energy ready to go. I'm kind of curious, after the time you spent with Sean McVay, I know you're locked in on what you have to get done. Did you happen to see his reaction to the Patriots pick and their reaction or his reaction to that pick? And what did you make of that?
0: (laughs) I did. I did. I I think, uh, I think that's probably a little bit more of a, you know, a credit to, to Cole Strange, the player that they were discussing there. I know. Uh, you know, if, if if they were looking at him, even though maybe they don't pick until I believe whatever it is, 100, 104. Um, I know they still are are putting in the work back there to make sure that they had a a great list of players, and I'm sure Cole was on that list. But uh, I did see that, and uh, as I uh, as I told him in a message I left for him this morning, I, I can still see that smile. Uh, from winning the Super Bowl is pretty fresh uh, for Coach McVeigh, which, uh, you know, obviously everybody knows how I feel about him and, and Les and the rest of the folks back there. So,
1: Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the clear view bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, which beef? Big day for Philadelphia sports. Phillies won. Sixers closed out the series. Eagles added some big guns. Speaking of big guns, is Alvin going to holster those cannons today? Suns out, guns out. War Alvy in polos. Insert, now I'm done. Now I'm done. Mustafa in Philadelphia. So Mustafa's not only emailing, but he's producing his email. Insert, now I'm done. Now I'm done. Hey Alvin, are you going to holster those cannons? Suns out, guns out.
0: What you gonna do?
1: All right, so hit me up. All right, 1-800-636-8686. I've been mentioning the smack-off. Just so you know, it is June 24th. It's invite-only. If you've won, you're already in the field. If you've won it even once, you have a lifetime exemption. Others that have not won it are already in the field. They know it. There are some of you that are on the fence or on the bubble. Some of you have a gold ticket, golden ticket. Some of you have not even tried to get in yet and still can you can still get in. Like, don't be so overwhelmed or intimidated by it. You can play your way in. And it might be on the strength of one amazing line. Like, throw hips, not hands. That would have got that guy in, but he was already in. Take a shot. 1-800-636-866. 636 Eight six. right, so again, I'm not a happy Friday guy per se. I actually am not a big fan of that at all. You'll never hear me dropping that happy Friday, except for Doc Rivers. Yo, Doc, happy Friday, Doc, because Doc has got to be having about the happiest Friday of his entire life. I would not be surprised if Doc is somewhere right now going all double rainbow dude. Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't have to go home for Game 7! Oh, oh. oh! wow I don't have to deal with Philly fan. Yeah! Seriously. He does not have to coach a Game 7 in Philly on the verge of the biggest collapse in the history of the association. That's not hyperbole. That's a fact. Nobody has ever choked away a 3-0 lead. And they were well on their way to doing so. So my guy Doc has got to be having himself a Friday. They got it done in Toronto last night. They saved his ass. And his reputation. And his legacy. And his ability to show his face in public. Anywhere. Ever again. Credit though where credit is due. And according to Doc... A lot of credit is due. No one gives me credit.
0: What a hell of a coaching job.
1: Such a great statement. The timing was so bad, but what a great statement. And now it looks even better that he got away with that. But he was making those statements prior to that game. Like he had finally had enough. I did a whole thing on this yesterday, but when everybody keeps going to Doc with hey Doc, hey Doc, how do you explain I blowing need. not one, not two, but three three-one leads? And Doc went into this whole thing about, hey, you know what? It's not really how it appears. Why don't people tell the whole truth? And then he went in. He went ham on the 03 Orlando Magic. These guys are just minding their own business in retirement. Probably some of them in the retirement home. And Doc drives by and just lights them on fire. And then said, hey, by the way, we were up 3-1 on the eventual world champs. How about you give me some credit? I'm like, I don't know, Doc. No one gives me credit. I don't know, Doc. I don't know that you want to be doing that before game six. That is on the road. That you just put more pressure on yourself and your team. And if you lose, you got to go back to game seven at home. For and real. nobody's ever blown a 3-0 lead. But you know what, though? You got it done, My guy. You did not blow it. You did not tank. So credit for that. Credit for not cementing your place as one of the biggest jokers in league history. There's some credit. And congrats on not having to make any new excuses or run any other new dudes under the bus for a fresh new gag job. Like, we all almost witnessed the last dance, but in reverse. The all-time... Crowning achievement in not finishing the kill. Almost. Like if he had lost that series against a banged up, undermanned Toronto team that he led 3-0, he literally would have had to walk off on that. Like an inverse MJ second retirement. And then probably go into hiding. Maybe even the witness protection program. Except Doc got it done. Doc... Got the job done. And I dare you. I I dare you to go back and look at that roster. I dare you to point out anything. That he could have done better than he did last night. I dare you. I dare you to go back. I dare you to go back and look at last night's game. I dare you to go back and look at last night's game. And point out even one thing. That he could have done better. His Sixers came out ready. To embarrass some chumps. They put up a 70-point second half to close it out. Yes, I did say Toronto gassed out, and they were busted up. But Doc was going to make damn sure they were not going back home for a Game 7. He even got James Larden to go hard last night. This guy actually did finally ball out because last night was serious business. A dude's legacy was on the line. It was the first must-win Game 6 for a team leading 3-2. In the history of all of sports. I just said it was the first ever must-win game six for a team leading 3-2 in the history of sports. And everybody on the Sixers knew it, including Doc himself. I told our guys it was the most serious game I think we played this year. like This year? No, no messing around. I thought we came
0: with a great intent, and that's a lesson.
1: Hey, hey Doc. I think that was the most serious game you have ever been a part of, ever, on any level of basketball, player, coach, broadcaster, ever. Quote, that's a lesson. Uh, Hell yes, that's a lesson. That is a valuable lesson. You have to take the closeout games really seriously to finish them and win them and advance. So make a note of that to yourself, Doc. It's pretty important. It may come in handy again. In the next round or at some point. Last night was about as serious a basketball game as you could ever have because Philly was facing one of the greatest motivating factors of all time. And I'm not just talking about avoiding the biggest playoff collapse in NBA history. I'm talking about avoiding, and this is my favorite part of all. The Philadelphia 76ers were talking about avoiding a return home. For Game Seven, in their own barn, in front of their own fans, trust me, they would have much rather have played a Game Seven in Toronto or in any other house but their own. Because one thing was absolutely clear after that game, and it was pretty much the first thing that James Harden said in the post-game presser: they did not want to be dealing with that in their own house.
0: We just we didn't we weren't going back to Philly for Game Seven.
1: They're not even trying to hide it, Philly fan. This is how scary Philly fan is. This is how intimidating Philly fan is to their own. I'm not talking about Philly fan standing and applauding Michael Irvin as he lay motionless and maybe even dead on the Philly turf. I'm talking about their own players being scared. It's so great. It's so Philly. I have never heard of a team that was motivated by not wanting to see their fans again. There was none of that, hey, listen, we're in a great spot. We've got two games to win one, and if the worst comes to worst, we got Game 7 at home. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is, oh, hell no. We did not want to go home and have to deal with the pressure of a Game 7 in front of our fans, all right? So if you're throwing some credit around and you're insisting on credit Credit Philly fan. Y'all are so freaking out of your minds, you actually scared your squad straight. Because they don't want to deal with you. They know better. They don't want to experience the home court disadvantage of rabid Philly fan showing up for blood in Game 7 Saturday night. Like their own team's blood. Sixers' blood. That's how you spin booing the hell out of everybody, cheering unconscious, concussed players, whipping D-cell batteries around the yard, eating horse crap, and all of the above into a legit positive. Man, Philly fan knew all along. Philly fan knew what we didn't understand. They are the most inspirational force in professional sports. And if you think that Harden just meant that they were happy to close it out, and save themselves, and that it had nothing to do with insane Philly fan. Then check out what Tobias Harris said about five minutes later.
0: You know, we knew what was at stake for us, and uh, no disrespect to our fans, but we did not want to come back to Wells Fargo for Game
1: Seven.
0: <laughs> we wanted, we wanted it to be ended to, tonight out here.
1: My man. I mean, that is such an incredible quote. No disrespect to our fans, i.e., I'm about to disrespect our fans. No, No, I'm not. I'm afraid of our fans. No disrespect to our fans, but we did not want to come back to our fans for Game 7. It's incredible. If you thought that I liked that Sean McVay was laughing at that pick, I don't like that half as much as I like Sixers players saying hey no disrespect to our fans but no way in hell we were coming back to play in front of our fans because what they're really saying is this they're not saying no way in hell we want to come back and play in front of our fans what they're saying is no way in hell do we want to come back and choke in front of our fans lose in front of our fans which we know could happen because a 3-0 series suddenly became a 3-3 series. Amazing quotes. Like the last thing any of us want to deal with is a Game 7 in an environment, that hostile, in our own barn, in front of our own fans. Like I said before, any other team would take before the series. If somebody said, hey, would you take a Game 7 in your house? Hell yes. They're like, oh, hell no. Hell no. This is our game seven. Game six in Toronto is our game seven. Oh, hell no. We don't want that. Our fans in our house are way more belligerent than anything we would ever encounter on the road. No way in hell we're going to deal with that. Deal with our fans in a game seven. We're not putting ourselves in that position. That was a must-win game game because game seven at home in front of our own fans was a must avoid game because we all know to a man if we choke that game away not one of us is going to make it off that floor alive and the best part is you know philly fan philly fan is not getting butt hurt about this philly fan is proud of this philly fan is proud of that reputation man they love it They thrive on it. They're making their teams better. They just want to keep the hope of horse crap Sandos alive. Climbing greased up light poles alive. Throwing drunken, debaucherous victory parades alive. And intimidating their own players in an attempt to make them even better. Am I right, Mike Schmidt? Without Philly fan, Mike Schmidt's just a great player. But is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Credit to Doc. He kept all of those hopes alive. Happy Friday, Doc. Happy Friday, Philly fan. I dare you all to find a way to be miserable today. I dare you. It's a great day, Philly fan. So many great things happened last night. Now, I'm not going to lie, I did want to see game seven in Philly. I wanted that so badly. I want that so badly. But fear, fear can be an amazing motivator. Doc saw that fear. Harden saw that fear. Tobias saw that fear. Joel saw that fear. They all saw that fear. They saw what it did to Ben. Look at Ben. Look at Ben Simmons. Look at what happened to that guy. We haven't seen him since. Except in his fit courtside. Congrats to the Sixers. Sixers. But more importantly, congrats to Philly fan. The terror and angst that you put on these guys made them play like men possessed. You scared them into the next round. Hey guys, let's talk skincare. Seriously. Skin care can be complicated, especially for men who have never had a skincare routine. That's where Tiege Hanley comes in. Tiege Hanley is a men's skincare company that helps guys start and maintain a healthy skincare routine by making the process uncomplicated. Every single box comes with an instruction card that tells you when to use each product, how much to use, and in what order. It is so easy and it's so effective. In fact, let me recommend this. The Level 1 system is the easiest way to get started and it comes with all of the basics that you dudes need to take care of your skin. I'm telling you, for the longest time, I never even cared, but I know that I've got to be in front of a camera every single day, so I've got to take care of my skin. And Tiege Hanley makes it so easy for all of the reasons I mentioned. Listen, have you noticed a difference in the way your skin looks and feels? I have, but don't just take my word for it. Tiege Hanley has over 5,000 5,000 five-star reviews on their website from customers worldwide. And because Tiege Hanley is sponsoring today's episode, they are offering you an amazing deal. Just go to Tiege.com slash Rome and you'll get 30% off your first box plus a free gift. That's t slash Rome. An amazing deal. Check it out for yourself and let me know what you think. He is Jonathan Jones. Jonathan, my man, how you feeling? How you living? I am living. Last night was
2: fun. It was chaotic. I live for the chaos, so uh, I'm I'm still buzzing
1: today. I was going to say, tell me about that. Before we break down exactly what went down, it was fun, man. It was chaotic. It was unpredictable. It was different. What was it like for you?
2: Yeah, you know, I think seeing these trades, and they were more or less sort of simpler swaps. I think that folks can sort of haggle over trade compensation, certainly Uh, Minnesota Vikings fans are wondering right now whether they got what they should have gotten from the Detroit Lions. But I think it showed how many different philosophies there are in the NFL, not just trade pick compensation, but also the wide receivers, right? A.J. Brown, uh, we saw it with uh, Hollywood Brown as well. Um, It's nice to see that the NFL is moving away from groupthink uh, and that each of these teams are learning that there are different ways to skin a cat and they are going to proceed with their own philosophies.
1: I think so. Jonathan Jones joining us. All right, so what about Jacksonville? At the very top, they get things started off with Trayvon Walker. There had been a lot of smoke that the organization was divided over who to take with that first pick, so what was your reaction to the pick, and does that tell you anything about where the power resides in Jacksonville?
2: Yeah, I ultimately wasn't surprised they went with Trayvon Walker. You know, he's uh, obviously a talented prospect, and, and it's going to be a bit of a projection. And talking with folks before the draft, they said, Hey, he's going to be overdrafted. Uh, and well, you know, number one overall is can't be drafted any higher than that. I had heard that, um, Doug Peterson and his staff were looking for an offensive lineman, had heard that team owner Shad Khan, uh, was looking hard at Aiden Hutchinson and had heard that Trent Balky was looking, uh, at Trayvon Walker, certainly for his traits. When you look at what they got with Alden Smith back in the day with San Francisco. But that made a lot of sense. Does it now indicate that Trent Baalke absolutely runs things with an iron fist? No, I don't think so. And in hearing the Jags brass come and talk afterwards – Hey, everyone was in agreement. They can have their own opinions, but uh, they agreed with the direction of the franchise. So I don't think they went wrong with Trayvon over Aiden Hutchinson or even Iki Aquanu. I totally understand why they went with Trayvon.
1: Jonathan Jones is joining us once again. So, Jonathan, what about the Panthers? They had the choice of quarterbacks with their pick, and they opted for offensive line instead. First off, what do you make of that decision, and what does that tell you about how they're going to approach their quarterback situation going forward?
2: Yeah, I think that they realized that they need to take care of the left tackle position. And the way the board broke, with all the, the defense going in front of them, it was a gift from the heavens that Aquanu was sitting right there at six overall. So uh, unless you get an over-the-moon offer for number six overall and you're still able to take one of the top three offensive tackles uh, wherever you move back, just rush the card in and take your, your left tackle. They know uh, that Sam Darnold is a short-timer there. Uh, and they would like to add to the quarterback room. Is that going to be in the draft? The Carolina Panthers would like for other teams to believe that. Uh, and, and, listen, the Panthers absolutely want to get into day two today. Right now they don't pick again until 137. That's in the fourth round. If they get into day two today, that means that they're going to have to trade future draft picks in order to get into the second or third round. But they are motivated to do that. Ultimately, I believe the Panthers are going to uh, sign or trade for a veteran quarterback quarterback Baker Mayfield, or Jimmy Garoppolo. As it stands today, as I lick my finger and stick it to the wind, it seems that the winds are moving in favor of Baker Mayfield. But the Panthers believe that they have the leverage here, that the Browns are ultimately uh, going to have to get rid of Baker Mayfield. So they're not going to give uh, fair compensation, if you will, for Baker Mayfield. So if I had to bet right now, the Panthers will add a quarterback. It likely will be Baker Mayfield, but they don't feel any need to do that right now.
1: Jonathan Jones joining us. What about around the league? Is there any additional interest in Baker Mayfield? I don't hear that.
2: Uh, And obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, being in the mix, even though he's injured, um, you know, he is a bit of a foil to Baker Mayfield uh, from a personality standpoint. And so. Uh, The the other fact is only one quarterback just went in the draft, and I'm hearing a lot of noise around Sam Howell potentially being the second quarterback taken in this draft, the first one taken off the board tonight. Uh, You still have Malik Willis waiting there, Matt Corral as well, and so uh, teams that need a quarterback can obviously get one here in day two, and they do have a little bit of leverage over the 49ers, over the Browns because we all know that they want to get rid of their respective quarterbacks.
1: Jonathan Jones is joining us. All right, so before the draft, dude reported that Eagles GM Howie Roseman was looking to do something. He ultimately did decide to trade up for Jordan Davis, and then he made that deal for A.J. Brown. What do you make of those two big swings?
2: Well, I love the Jordan Davis deal. I, I think that Howie Roseman is very much, first of all, if Howie Roseman were to call me trying to trade, I don't think that I would pick up the phone. Right. Uh, he, he tends to win a lot of these trades. Um, when you look at what he got with A.J. Brown, I thought um, that it was ultimately a pretty fair deal. It reminded me a lot of Stefan Diggs when uh, Minnesota sent him, and then they ultimately drafted Justin Jefferson. Is that putting too much on Traylon Burks? Perhaps. Uh, but that's the position that he's in following up the big physical wide receiver A.J. Brown there in Tennessee. But, listen, it, it, there's a report out there. A.J. Brown said that uh, the Titans had only offered him $16 million per year with incentives getting up to $20 million. You know, Christian Kirk and the Jags, getting him uh, to, to raise that, that floor, if you will. Uh, and then on top of that, you had uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill blasting the high watermark there uh, above DeAndre Hopkins for highest paid wide receiver. I understand why A.J. Brown uh, didn't want to sign for that little of money. I understand why the Tennessee Titans felt that they were at an impasse, and I think they got – the most that they possibly could for a player that they really did not want
1: to with. You know, this is where I come out. I come out the same exact place that I understand why he wants more money. You look at the market, and I understand why teams do not want to pay that money. So he's one of two receivers who gets dealt. Marquise Brown was the other. What was your reaction to that trade? And then what was your reaction to Lamar Jackson's reaction?
2: Well, it made sense in that it, I don't want to say that Hollywood Brown had worn out his welcome in Baltimore, but I think both sides were equally done with one another, right? It it didn't seem that it was necessarily working out. Yes, he had just gotten 1,000 receiving yards this past season. But also, you go back to that final game of the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they have to win that game to make it into the playoffs. He dropped a touchdown pass. He only had three catches for, I think, 37 yards. He dropped a sideline grab with one minute left in the game when it was jarred loose by Mika Fitzpatrick. There was a really bad taste left in everyone's mouths after that game. And I think that Marquise Brown, uh, felt that as well. Uh, remember when Kyler Murray deleted the Cardinals off his social media pages, you know, Hollywood Brown did the exact same thing a couple of days later with the Ravens. And so to be able to ship him off, get a first round pick, get a guy who is going to help Lamar Jackson up front and Tower Linderbaum there at center and help your entire offensive line. I like it. Are the, are, are the Ravens, uh, going to be okay at wide receiver? I think that they they really they may be overvaluing their receivers right now, who they have. I know they believe in Rashad Bateman and others. Uh, I would like to see them add, and they very well may add here tonight.
1: Jonathan Jones is joining us. So, Jonathan, what about Debo Samuel? Reportedly, he would like to be one of those established receivers who also gets moved. The 49ers did not deal him last night. So does that mean that they won't deal him at all, or is this story going to continue?
2: It will continue because the 49ers at this point aren't going to deal him for future draft picks because those future draft picks aren't going to help a team that is very much in contention in 2022 in 2022. Uh, if they are going to deal him, and I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, it would have to, at this point, be for a player or players um, because this is a Niners team again. Uh, That was within a hair of the the conference title game. Uh, And so they very much believe in in the Super Bowl. So they believe uh, that they should get fair compensation if they were to ever let Debo go. Now, the issue with Debo Samuel is, and he has not yet made clear why he wants out of San Francisco. Is it the way that he's used? If it is that, well, you know, his value is going to go down if he doesn't want to be used in that way, because that's where his value is. That's where he is one of one. If he wants to be a true and pure wide receiver, well, his 10.5% drop rate is going to harm his value there. So um, those are the decisions that have to be made. I believe San Francisco thinks that this can be ironed out over time. Uh, And so because of that, I'm not anticipating anything anything, anytime soon.
1: Spending a few more moments with Jonathan Jones. Jonathan, what about the Packers situation? Given how many receivers were available early in the draft and the Green Bay selected none of them? Given their history, that's not a surprise. We know this. But given the fact that they did move Devontae Adams, did that surprise you that they did not take a receiver?
2: Yeah, it did. And listen, I know that we all have our our mock drafts, but I felt pretty good about giving the the Green Bay Packers one wide receiver (laughs) in a mock draft. That maybe they're going to move up. Maybe they feel where they're picking that they're not going to get a first round talent at wide receiver because of how weak this draft has been. Listen, at that point, you're picking second round talent for the most part anyway. Um, I, I was I was surprised. I think I would like to think Aaron Rodgers was also a bit surprised. Now what they can say until they're blue in the face, they've had a lot of success with second and third round receivers in the past, and that much is true. But when it has been a literal score since you last drafted a first round receiver since two thousand two. I think it's about time after everything you've done for Aaron, after seeing Devontae leave, they should have pulled the trigger here in the first round.
1: So before you go, let me ask you this. How pleased do you think the Steelers were to find Kenny Pickett waiting for them at number 20 overall? And then how do you see that quarterback battle between Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky shaping up?
2: You know, I think that the Steelers were over the moon. I don't think the Steelers believed that he would be available at 20 as they sort of went through their own mocks um, throughout the week. Uh, but there he was sitting at 20, and the decision was obvious for them, a guy that they knew very well. We can talk about his hand size, uh, throwing in the elements. He has done it literally there at Heinz Field. So they feel good about that moving forward. The thing here is, what's this quarterback competition going to look like? I've written about this in years past where there is no real handbook on how to operate a true quarterback competition. Is it the incumbent? Is it the veteran versus the rookie? How many reps does, does one get with the first team versus the second team? How fair is that? At some points uh, in history, coaches have flipped coins to see who starts in preseason games. So I'm fascinated to see what Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches to ever do it uh, in this sport, what he decides and what is going to be his first true quarterback competition of his head coaching career.
1: JJ, one last thought. Quarterbacks, you mentioned Malik Willis. Were you surprised that he was not selected last night? And then how long do you think he'll have to wait tonight?
0: I
2: was a little bit surprised. I know that teams, uh, we always talk about teams, could trade back up at 30, 31, 32, to get the quarterback so that he has his fifth-year option. I'll just say, as evidenced by the New York Giants' decision on Daniel Jones to not pick up the fifth-year option, as evidenced by the Cleveland Browns uh, wanting to get out of Baker Mayfield's deal, and the Panthers regretting their fifth-year option on Sam Darnold, um, that, you know, hey, you don't have to mortgage things in order to make sure you get the guy for his fifth-year option. You're almost betting against The fact that five years down the road, that's what you're going to need when you can always franchise tag him for a slightly higher price anyway and hedge your bet. So uh, Malik Willis, I think, will go in the first eight, nine picks tonight. I don't think it's going to be a team that is currently selecting where they are. I think we're going to see a lot of movement tonight because we saw a lot of movement last night.
1: With prices soaring at the pump, Discover has your back with cash back. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target now through June on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every single dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with Discover It card. Limitations to apply and learn more at discover.com rewards. Discover.com rewards. The flight deck is in our presence. Hey, this gambling game is hard, dog. Let me me editorialize off the top. (laughs) This gambling game is hard, dog. Apparently not for Ritt, who was all over Twitter last night bragging on his accomplishments. You'll get yours, old man. It will come back and kick your ass. I know. (laughs) It happened to me midweek. So this gambling game is hard, dog. It is an absolute blast. I love it. But it's an absolute kick in the package also because the highs are so high. The lows can be so low. But I love it. I love it so much. And I was on an amazing run midweek only to get hammered and humbled. But to quote that famous what's-his-face in Philly, since we're talking about Philly, remember that guy? When Muhammad Ali was down, did you count him out? When Jiminy Cricket was down, did you count him out? This is the comeback, head. Did you see DeMarco Murray? This is the game, head. When Muhammad Ali was down, did you count him out? When, when Jiminy Cricket was down, did you count him out, this is the comeback, doug. Two and three. Did you see DeMarco Murray? This is the game, doug. This is the comeback, head. This is the game, head. (laughs) What's up, head? How you doing?
3: I'm doing great, Jim. How are you doing, man? Dude, good, good. Yeah. Are
1: you dangerous? Are you, hey, better yet, are you feeling smart? Because right. you, me, and the clones need to get down and we need to get paid.
3: Hell yes, I'm, I'm feeling smart today. Not as smart as Rit, obviously. But Rit, go ahead and post your um, outcomes tonight, too, to see how good you really did. Not just um, the one time. You've already made five
1: grammatical errors in your first five (laughs) seconds, but I I understand where you're going with that. You're right. All right, so let's get right to it. The head. We do this every single week. Get your pens, crayons, pencils, whatever you want, clones, get them out. The head is going to come in, and we're going to get down. Let's Let's start with the Grizz and the T Wolves. Most assume this series would be over by now, head, but it's not, and it's tough as hell to pick, honestly. I hit it early this morning, but I would mm. be lying if I said I felt really strongly about my pick because I don't. I will tell you who I went with in a moment, but I need to hear it from you first. How are you playing this one? Who you got?
3: Well, coming into the series, I love Minnesota's chances of pulling off the upset. But when you are the underdog, there's only so many times you could Amber Heard or Amber turd a bed, Jim, and be able to win this series. They've done it too much. I'm taking, I'm taking Memphis here minus one on the road to finish this. Multiple leads blown, playing Jaw stupidly on his uh, Game 5 winner. That cost him the series. Let's say Grizzlies dominate the offensive glass tonight like they have been all along. Limit Cat at the line. And Desmond Bain, who has averaged over 28 in his past three games, helps Jaw out again. Let's go Memphis Grizzlies minus one.
1: I want to ask you something. So you got minus one. I think that I saw minus one and a half. Would you go minus one and a half?
3: I would, yeah. But minus one's better on DraftKings.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I understand that minus one is better than minus one and a half genius. Thank you for that. Anyway, like I said, I'm not really confident in it, but I I had to make a pick. So I'm going to ride with the Grizz on the road because, well, I like the Grizz on the road. Now, here's something you and I may or may not agree with. Mm -hmm. 13 and eight against the spread as a road favorite this year. Mm -hmm. I like that. Does that matter to you, though, this time of year?
3: So with the NBA, it doesn't as much as it would on other sports. There's not a bigger difference between NBA regular season and the NBA playoffs. So a lot of those analytics that people see out there, they're telling you one thing, like they love the Memphis tonight because of all those things. But again, total difference between effort in postseason and regular season. So I do not love the metrics come playoff Yeah, see, time.
1: I, I use that metric to help make that bet. But I think what you say is fair. I, I mm-hmm. do. I also like, oh, however, but to that point, they are plus eight in their two games at the target center yeah. in these two games, so I mm-hmm. like that. I know it's going to be close. I just have a little more confidence in the Grizz. Then I do the T-Wolves because of what you mentioned and some of the things they've done at the end of games. I don't feel great about it, but I feel a little bit better about them than the T-Wolves, enough to lay the point and a half. Bottom nice. line, whenever I go back and forth on a matchup, I don't know about your system... Mm-hmm. If my system does not spit out a clear-cut winner, I'll tell you what I do. I go to the That's most that. important analytic or metric there is, the thing I trust most of all. I yeah. wait to hear how Drake is playing it, and then I go the other way. Drake, you suck <laughs> at sports betting. Go back to your little albums of rapping. Thanks, Colby. Uh, you see that story about how Jorge Masvidal gave him brain damage?
3: Yeah, the fighting community is really going to love Colby after that one. I'll just say that much. So yeah, right. That'll so, go over good. Yeah. yeah,
1: it will go over well, dude. Substitute good. well for good. You got you got to start somewhere with grammar.
3: Okay, i got to try that.
1: All right, try that. See how that goes for you. All right. All right. So problem is that I I don't know which way Drake is going. So I'm gonna go with the Grizz. All right, we got some catching up to do. We've got series which are now picking up, starting with the Heat and the 76ers. Now, I just laid this out, head. I'm a little disappointed that we don't get a Game 7 in Philadelphia. I wanted that very badly, mm-hmm. but let me skip right to this thing. How about that series? What is the number? How do you see it going?
3: So the Heat are favored to win the series at minus 165. I really want to take the Sixers and 135 to win it, but with Larden and Doc's history and Joel's thumb, I think I'll take them on a series spread here, Jim, at plus 1.5 games at minus 185 meaning if the Sixers win the series or lose in seven, I win the bet. They have the players to win this. Joel's the best player in the series by far. Tyrese Maxey's a stud, and Tobias Harris is playing exactly how they need him to be. Biggest thing, of course, is the biggest guy here, that tubby point guard, Larden. If he opens up this offense, Jimmy Buckets will be guarding him, but if he could get him off of uh, off of Buckets and draw the other guys in. I love Maxie, and I love Harris stepping up for these guys. Both of these guys are hitting over 40% from three this postseason, but I don't know if Larden could do it. I need a buffer. Let's go Sixers plus one and a half games at minus that, 185. Oh, I see. All right, I see what you did there. Say again what you did. What's the buffer? The buffer is Sixers plus one and a half games. So they have to, if they win the series, I win the bet, but even if they lose in seven, I still win the bet. I understand that. I see what you're doing because if you're going to talk, if you're counting on
1: Larden to get his on buckets, I think that's a pretty big ask. Hey, listen, credit. Doc demanded credit before that game. So credit for handling your business. No credit for ripping our dream from us. Philly fan in a game seven, including Doc Rivers after blowing a 3-0 lead. However, the Heat to me, head, are a much different deal, of course, than a Mm -hmm. banged-up Raptors squad. So uh, I'll tell you what I I want the value. I would love to take the value. I love Joel, but I'm liking the Heat. I love the way they nice. play defense. I like their culture. You know that whole thing about how overrated their culture is. Yeah, That's I'm not buying me. that. I think yeah. it's not. Oh, you, mm-hmm. it is. You think it is
3: overrated? Well, I, I I went at them pretty hard two years ago when they played the Lakers in the finals about the culture and everything like that. Dude, I mean, there's something to the it. Damn course. thing
1: you said two seconds ago, much less two years ago, man. Well, Don't worry I about did that. Did
3: Gloss Street Clothes Street Clothes then? I will say that.
1: Yeah, they do know that. They do remember you. And Street close, Yeah, all right. So like Joel, Joel's busted up. I'm going to go Miami. I wanted to see enough value in the Sixers to put myself out there. I do not see that value. I'm not going there. Now, Boston and Milwaukee. Oof. I'm going the opposite way of you on that one. Boston, Milwaukee is a fascinating series. You've got the best team in the East going up against the defending champs right now. The Celtics are heavily favored. So much to like about Boston. What is the number? How are you playing it, and do you like them enough to do it?
3: Yeah, you nailed it here. Fascinating. I can't wait to see these matchups and who is checking who without Middleton playing. Boston is the favorite, minus 210. I will take a chance here and go with the defending champions at minus 175. Milwaukee has played well the last two postseasons when they don't have their big three. They've actually gone 5-0 and during that time. Also, Brooke Lopez being healthy helps their D. They seem to be slightly better on offense with their shot selection lately, and they don't foul and they can out-rebound Boston, which will be huge. Of course, Boston's D is a mother, but Giannis, he's the best player in the world, and I think he dusts off that uh, Superman KD Was that he had. Yeah, not no more, past it,
1: not anymore,
3: anymore, dude. nope. You nope. are
1: you are functionally illiterate, right? Not no but, more. He ain't I'm, no more.
3: But I'm right about this. Giannis is the best player in the world. <laughs> like, and I said, won't, like I said, like I said,
1: focus on. What he says and not how right. he says it. I think that's fair. You're
3: <laughs> He'll right. He'll clutch up, not clutch down like KD here. He's better in the post, Jim. He's better at working around the supposed Giannis wall. He's shooting better from the free throw line. Let's go with Giannis Pound Town plus one seventy five to win this series. I agree with you. I was saying not long ago, KD is the best player in the world. Not
1: yep. not after that first round, he's not. Giannis looks unbelievable. Let me ask you something, Head. You're being pretty aggressive. A little mm-hmm. bit of a hedge, but pretty aggressive. Is the fact that the Clones were calling you a chalky bitch in your head?
3: No, because I don't care what they say. Because come football season, I'll probably do the same stuff.
1: Personally, I love how the Celtics went right through the imploding nets. I Mm -hmm. love their suffocating defense. I love the statement that Jason Tatum made in the last series. Statement being, I'm a bleeping stud. He had a huge series offensively. He did shut down KD. question is, can they have that same success in dealing with Giannis? As Durant, I see your point, I hear you working. I'm telling you what, man. I hate the number. I hate it. I hate it. I hate the number. But I'm going to take the Celtics minus 210 because I'm going to be a chalky bitch. Phoenix, (laughs) Dallas. Tricky, man. Tricky because Devin Booker is back. He is dinged. If you're hunting value, Mm -hmm. Dallas is not a bad way to go because there is a lot to like about them. The question is, how much do you like about them and how much value do you see here? How are you playing it?
3: I like Jason Kidd as a coach. He's gotten better there. His guy's D up, um, including the playoffs here. The Mavs actually are holding opponents to fewer points than anyone in the entire NBA all season ahead of Boston, actually, too. Here, the Suns are the favorites, like you said, minus 280 uh, favorite to win the series. I like Phoenix, but the number is too high, so I'll take another series spread here, Jim. Minus one and a half games, and you can get that at minus 115 and take the Suns to win this thing. Phoenix has multiple guys they could run at Luka. They could switch. They could help out. I love that. I credit the Mavs for winning that series against Utah, but I'm still not high on them. The Jazz have imploded. They got their harp- hearts ripped out by the Clippers last year, and they haven't been the same. Winthrop. Winthrop. And even without Winthrop. Book being 100%, Winthrop. DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges are getting better. Bridges is a stud. Add the fact that the point god is back to package hunting. I'll take the Suns package minus one-and-a-half games, minus 115. Game. Dude,
1: I mean, look, I don't want to defend the guy and say mm-hmm. that he does not hunt package. He does. But, now he does, and he mm-hmm. blasts packages, but that guy couldn't miss a shot last night. Kick he the was. Stick. He was
3: great, too. He did poke check Alvarado in the package, too. That was funny. That yeah, was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. You
1: know what? I'm starting to realize, like, number one, you're more exotic with this stuff than I am, and number two, now I know why I'm broke. Now I know why my accounts are empty, <laughs> because I keep hitting everybody. You thought that last number was bad? I realized what I did. I went Suns minus 280. My minus no
3: Yes, Man, I did. DraftKings has incredible options on their options props, parlays, all kinds of stuff. That's what I'm saying. You yeah.
1: are more exotic with it and I need to get more exotic with it and DraftKings is awesome. All
3: right, listen, before
1: we go because Bell B loves it when Utah hockey, do you mm. want to talk hockey? Are you looking at the NHL playoffs? Would you like to get a future bet or two down? What are you doing with that?
3: Hell yes, I would. Stanley Cup playoffs start Monday night. The hedge is on with the Colorado Avalanche, of course, plus God, 350. you love those guys. You always Love the do Colorado Avalanche. Love them. This is biggest probably like Denver the third year in a row. What's that?
1: You're the biggest Denver honk ever.
3: Kind of, somewhat. Yeah, quite a bit. So going with the abs probably for the I'm third straight year on. here. Full strength, Jim. They are the best offense in hockey. They have depth on defense. And Darcy Kemper, he usually gets better in the postseason. I'll take two shots as well. Tampa Bay, no team has won three straight cups since the Islanders back in the day. But they have a plus 1,100 odds. And with Stamkos and Kucherov in a top six defense, let's take the shot there. Also... The Boston Bruins, their number is plus 1,600 to win it all. They've won six of seven. They have a top five defense. They have a face licker. And if that third line could come through, man, I like them too. So let's go Avs plus 350, Tampa Bay plus 1,100, Boston plus
1: 1,600. The the OG face licker or the face licker of the goat?
3: The OG. He might have learned that from Marchant, actually the OG face liquor, Brad Marchand. There
1: you go. Well, you know, Boston for the longest, longest time always had a rep as a team that could not get it done in the postseason. As far as the Islanders in that play, you know, that, that Team of Destiny thing? I'm
3: taking Lightning. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I meant the Islanders were the last ones that uh, three-peated way back in the day. But I'm taking yeah. the Lightning. Yeah. There
1: you go. Get right. Get correct. All right, mm-hmm. so this was another big, fat segment. I did say right. a couple of weeks back, hey, listen, is less more, or do you want more of the head? Like, we started when we first started doing this segment, we would do a couple of games because, well, frankly, I couldn't trust you with more than three minutes of airtime <laughs> for what you were doing to the English language, but it's getting longer and longer and longer. <sighs> My question is, not everybody loves what we're doing here. Some do. I want to ask you clones one more time. Is more of the head a good thing or is less more? Just curious. We're trying to figure out exactly how to gauge this and what the barometer is. Head really quickly. Run it down top to bottom. Then put it on Twitter so I can retweet it.
3: All right. Tonight, Memphis minus one against Minnesota at Minnesota. NBA series props here. The Bucks straight up at plus 175 to beat Boston. Sixers, plus one and a half games to beat the Heat at minus 185. Suns, minus one and a half games to beat Dallas at minus 115. And Stanley Cup futures, Avs, plus 350. Tampa Bay, plus 1100. And the Boston Bruins, plus 1600.
1: Dude, amazing job. Get it, head. Have a great weekend. Let's make some money.
3: Thanks, Jim. Let's make some money! Listen. With the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft... The Jacksonville Jaguars select the week net. was.
1: Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome. How was your weekend? Looking around the sporting universe, looks like some people had a really good weekend and some people had a really bad weekend. It's cracking. How about you clones? Can Got a lot roadie. to say about the Brooklyn Nets.
0: We're all just trying to gel.
1: Rich as hell.
0: I don't have a lot of answers for how you make up time. If
1: only there would have been more ways for the team to gel during the season, says the guy who quit on his team during the season. Jordan Palmer is my guess. Like this last year
0: for Trevor Lawrence, right? Boy, what a punch to the stomach that year was. But I don't think it's going to affect him because he's been hardened through this process. But some of these guys, as soon as the lights get bright, they just melt. What's going on here?
1: I see someone you can build around because I appreciate excellence and I appreciate imbeciles getting what they deserve.
2: P.O. popping her naked butt with a towel. Now that would
1: have dropped some jaws. I mean, jaws. There was something about him that just, he never stopped. Of course, lucky I was there. I was on my way up in Los Angeles. Gretz's goal scorer, but that wasn't like his M.O. He was a playmaker. (laughs) I know. Twitter. Yeah, I was there too. Unworn, never playing the game. Like, Johnny, you're not that bright, and we all know this. My friend Jim Rohn, we got the karma going. (laughs) Unworn, never playing the game of life, John.
0: Managing this franchise together, alongside Joe and Sean.
3: (laughs) The
1: part-timer nearly single-handedly derailed that season and yet now he's promoting himself to co-owner the quitter is making himself the owner talk about rich he led the wildcats to a pair of national titles and That's four right. final fours
0: yeah man you got a legendary voice when you said it that one hit me what you just said it it sounded a little weird i gotta tell you the truth being introduced like that
1: he's ricky in tampa well i just hate to say it wrong i told you i told you what was gonna happen if you had one word to describe the ben simmons situation what would it be it's ridiculous sir
2: I played for Ricky down here in Tampa, the uh, Tampa Bay turtlenecks. Six of the guys on our team were from Europe. Half of us were wearing two turtlenecks.
1: The Jacksonville genitalia didn't want any of that. How generous
2: of your second guest, Ricky from Tampa, being flexible and humble enough to move down
0: the time slot and let Coach Jay Wright go first.
1: It's ridiculous. I, I like this, we didn't start the fire. Actually, Bill, you did start the fire. When you jumped that curb, and you drove into somebody's den and your gas tank exploded. You actually did start the fire, Billy. Stop lying. Kyle <laughs> Hamilton, Drake is the best artist ever, including MJ. What? The other crowd did not
0: like that, the Michael Jackson slander. Um, and I don't think it was slander. I'm just entitled to my own opinion. I just tweeted something and everybody got mad.
1: What is your favorite thing about Southern California since you've moved here? Sun, by far. The sunshine. Vitamin yeah, D is good, right? We get these
3: shots every day back in
1: New York. Let's just say it's gray. It's much nicer out here in the golden sunshine. It is gray. Dude, much like your commentary, man. You stop being so boring. Twill! Katie is like Bruce Lee. And he's just up there crushing fools. Like, no matter how big or small. And I mean small. It's like you enter the dragon. Breed. Baby Billy Freeman got lucky with the blade. Katie just went. Oh! I got beef with my pets. Every time I fire up the apparatus. For one-on-none wrestling, they hear the rumble and charge into the room. Mama, need a little vacation. War lady clothes. You know, 69 at bedtime around my house means that's what you set the thermostat on.
2: Ah. Is Melvin man enough? Right now he's gone, dude, dude, now, now, no.
1: He was mimicking me because I kind of had the red ass on Fridays. Because of the week that was. Right. That's right.
3: Sandwich snacker man. Hmm, looks like snacks. 8, Randrew Bogus.
0: I I
1: dare you to go back and look at that roster. You dare us. And you would say, what a hell of a coaching job. I dare you to go back and look at that roster and tell me I'm not. Pop, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Kurt Rambis all rolled into one. DJ, what's going on? How are you?
0: Dude, Jim, I love coffee in the morning, man. It's like, it starts my day. I don't need any coffee today, dude. I love this thing, man. The draft is so much fun. And this year, we don't know anything. It might be the most fun we've ever had. We wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, maybe.
1: Like a couple of drunk fratties. And I don't know if they were or weren't. But man, they were having fun. Kevin O'Connell is my guest. What did you make of that?
0: I think that's probably credit to Cole Strange, the player that they were discussing. I can still see that smile from winning
3: the Super Bowl. is pretty fresh uh, for Coach McVay. When you are the underdog, there's only so many times you could Amber Hurt or Amber Turt a bed, Jim. That's George
1: kind of Thurgood, terrible tipper as well. I, you are the first guy I've ever blocked out. You're blocked. What? How do you like that? Strive for greatness. No, bus riders. job, jawbreaker. Albie's attitude is fine. Alvin, is that smack-off no, promo no, done no, yet? No. Thank you. More crotch candy. Andrew. Andrew. First word is. Andrew. Andrew. Anybody listening own an XR4TI mirror No
0: disrespect to our fans, bro. so informed about every topic. I respect that, man. When everything slows down, man, we got to get a, a Padre oh. Dodger. Good night now! Good night now!